0: Well, if you've got a copy of God's Word, let me encourage you to open it and turn with me to the book of Hosea. Hosea is in the Old Testament. Kind of turn to the middle of your Bible. Probably going to find Psalms, Proverbs, somewhere around in there. Go to the right, and if you go slow enough, you're going to find Hosea. So Hosea is where we're going to be this morning. A week ago this past Thursday, literally hours before my son... Went into eternity to meet his creator. I posted a question on Facebook. I asked this question What is the greatest love story you've ever read or you've ever seen? As you can imagine, whenever you ask questions like that, you get a lot of different answers, and I got a lot of different answers. Someone said, or several people actually said, The Notebook, a Scott Creed's favorite. (laughs) You're laughing. Scott Creed's favorite. Every time we even mention the notebook, he tears up. (laughs) Several people put pride and prejudice. One person put ghost. Another person put gone with the wind. The love story was mentioned. The first Twilight movie was mentioned. If you're my age, you probably don't have a clue what that's all about, but it's about werewolves and vampires and humans, and somehow love gets in there somewhere. I was surprised that no one mentioned Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet or the story that Shakespeare told of Antony and Cleopatra. I guess we don't read those, those classic books, those classic poems anymore. But the greatest love story hasn't been written in the last hundred years. It hasn't been shown on the screen in the last hundred years. It hasn't been written in the last 2,000 years. The greatest love story ever written was written 750 years before Jesus was ever even born. But the story that was told prophetically revealed God's love for us that would be revealed in Jesus Christ. And the reason it's the greatest love story ever told is because it tells a story of crazy love. A love that just doesn't make sense. A love that that baffles our minds. Now this morning we're beginning a 12-part series where we're, we're looking at the minor prophets. Now when we think about the term minor, most of us think about minor league baseball. And we think about a minor league baseball player is not quite as good as a major league baseball player. But the minor prophets had nothing to do with how good they were, had nothing to do with how important they were or how inspired they were. They're called minor prophets simply because they are shorter books than the major prophets. The truth of the matter is the messages that they proclaimed speak as clearly to us today as they did when they were delivered to people thousands of years ago. Now this morning, we're beginning with the book of Hosea, and and to be honest with you, God in His sovereignty couldn't have planned this any better for today. And so as we we look at this book, we're going to do two things. First of all, I'm going to tell you the story, and then I'm going to share with you five truths that we learn from this story. Now, the story begins with God giving one of his prophets, one of his preachers, an unusual command. He tells Hosea, who was a prophet, to go and marry a prostitute. Now, understand, prophets were men of God. They were set apart. They were called to be holy. They were called to separate themselves from the sins of this world. And yet, God told Hosea to go and marry a A prostitute. And so Hosea did exactly what God told him to do. He married a prostitute named Gomer. Evidently, Gomer fell in love with Hosea, and and evidently she left her life of prostitution, and, and they began a family. I'm sure Hosea's dreams were like the dream of each of us who get married. He wanted to live happily ever after, as husband and wife. He wanted to have kids. He wanted to grow old together. And and things started out that way. After a while, Gomer got pregnant and she had a son. and, And Hosea was overjoyed as he met that son for the very first time. But then something happened. The relationship began to change. Gomer began to act distant she acted a little different Gomer got pregnant with a second child and she had a daughter and to be honest with you Hosea was a little suspicious he wasn't sure that his was his child and yet he loved her nevertheless and he kept on loving Hosea after a while Gomer had a third child she had another son and When this child was born, it was obvious, it was apparent, this wasn't his son. But he loved him nevertheless. And he kept on loving Gomer. And in spite of her unfaithfulness, in spite of her lack of love, he loved her. One day, he came home and he found a note written on the table. Probably went something like this. Hosea, I don't love you anymore. I haven't loved you for a long time. I can't play this game any longer. I'm done. I'm gone. Don't come looking for me. And there were those three small children sitting around the table all by themselves. And as Hosea looked at those children and he realized that Gomer had abandoned him, he began to feel angry, he began to feel betrayed, he began to feel hurt. He was broken and he was filled with pain. The pain of loving someone with all your heart and not being loved in return. And yet, in the midst of all of this pain, in the midst of all of this heartache, in the midst of all of this anger, he still loved Gomer. And he longed for her to return. He longed for her to come home. But she didn't. The days turned into weeks, the weeks turned into months, and the months turned into years. And throughout all this time, Hosea never stopped. Loving Gomer. The kids grew up. They moved away from home. And one day, Hosea said, I don't know where she is. I don't know what she's done. I don't know how far she's fallen. But I'm going to find Gomer. I love her. And I'm going to bring her back home. He began his search. And he searched and he searched. And we don't know how long he searched, but he finally found her. She didn't look anything like the beautiful woman she, he had married. She, she had returned to her prostitution and, and it hadn't been kind to her. This once beautiful woman was now weathered and worn because of the lifestyle choices she had made. She eventually sold herself to a pimp just so that she could have a roof over her head and she could have food to eat. When Hosea found her, he gathered the little bit of money he had. He combined it with some barley. He combined it with some wine. And he gave it to her pimp. And he bought her back. Now, don't miss this. Here she was, a prostitute, sleeping with multiple men every day. And yet Hosea loved her. And he bought her back. He brought her home. He helped clean her up. And eventually, over time, she realized how much Hosea loved her. She began to love him back. And though the Bible doesn't say this, we assume that that when all was said and done after all the hurt after all the pain after all the sorrow after all the tears Hosea and Gomer lived happily ever after now that's the story but what are the truths that we learn from this story and the rest of the book well there are five of them and these truths are important for us today no matter who we are Or where we are in our stage of life. Here's the first truth. God created us for relationship. We see this from the very beginning. In in, in Genesis 1, 1, we're told in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And then God began this process of creating everything that is seen and even everything that is not seen. God created the stars in the sky. He created the planet that we live on. He created the land that we walk on. He created the water. He created all the vegetation. He created all the plants. He created all the living animals the ones that live on the land, the, the ones that fly in the air, the ones that swim in the sea. He created them all. And after each and every part of creation, God would look at it and you say, It's good perfect and then on the very last day of creation God did something unique he did something different something he had never done before what he did had to astound even the angels he created man but we are told that he created man in his image in his likeness God looked at Himself, and then He made us. Now, there's no way that we can fully comprehend all that that means, but what we do know is that God created us like Himself so that He could have a relationship with us. You see, God wanted oneness with us. God wanted intimacy with us. Listen up. God created you for a purpose. And that purpose is to live in relationship with Him. And everything, absolutely everything else in life is secondary to that. Nothing is going to fill the emptiness in your life apart from a relationship with God. No one else is going to fill the void in your life apart from a relationship with God. Only God can fill the hole in your heart. Because God created you specifically, expressly, to have a relationship with Him. That's what we see in Genesis 1. We turn over to Genesis 2 and we discover that God does something else pretty great. God created woman out of man and he created woman so that she could have a relationship with man and so that man could have a relationship with woman we know that very clearly because after God created woman God gave us a word not just Adam and Eve but God gave all of us a word everyone who's been created since this God said from now on man will leave his mother and father and he will unite with his wife. He will join with his wife. And, and these two will become one. And we see this repeated throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. This idea of, of man and woman becoming one. And then we go over to Ephesians chapter 5. This this incredible chapter where, where God is teaching us truths about, about how a man is to treat a woman in marriage and how a woman is to treat a man in marriage. And then God says this, the two become one. And then God says this. God says, I'm not just talking about man and woman. I'm using man and I'm using woman as a picture Of my relationship with you in other words what God is saying is from the very beginning in Genesis 2 God established marriage as a picture that you and I can have of the relationship that God wants with us and that's why when we walk through the minor prophets Over and over and over again, we see them describing this relationship that we have with God as a marriage. God is the husband and and, and we are the bride. Why does God do that? Because God wants us to be faithful to Him. And then this is what He says in Hosea chapter 1. When the Lord first began speaking to Israel through Hosea, He said to him, Go. Marry a prostitute so that some of your children will be conceived in prostitution. Wow. This will illustrate how Israel has acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshiping other gods. So Hosea married Gomer. God says, I want you to marry this woman who's going to be unfaithful to illustrate how you are unfaithful in our You see, God takes our relationship seriously. Marriage is a covenant. Marriage is a contract that two people enter into to care for one another and love one another till the day they die. 34 years ago, this this coming August, I stood before my wife. And I made some vows to her, and she made some vows to me. And the vows I made were, were... These were the vows. I, Rocky, take thee, Sherry, to be my loving wife from from this time forward, for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health. I promise to be true and faithful to you as long as we both shall live. Now, when I said those words, I'm assuming that Sherry was expecting me to mean it. Why? Because marriage is a serious thing. And so when you and I stand before one another, and we proclaim these vows to one another that we are going to stick together through thick and through thin. And this relationship of marriage between a man and a woman is a picture of our relationship with God. How do you think God feels when we are unfaithful to Him? So God created us for relationship, intimacy with Him. That brings me to the second truth. We've been unfaithful in that relationship. You see, the problem has never been God. The problem is us. It's always been us, and it always will be us. God created us unique, distinct, different from all the other created beings. He created us with a spirit so that our spirit could connect with God's spirit in a very intimate way. When God created that first man and That first woman, he gave them so much, but he also gave them one restriction. Some of us get called up in that one restriction. Why did God give them a restriction? Why did God plant a tree in the garden and then say, you can't eat from this tree? I think that's the wrong question to ask. Because if God is God and He created everything and He did, then certainly He has the right to put limitations on His creation and certainly He has the right to expect us to trust Him and obey Him. The amazing thing to me is when God created everything, He only put one restriction on man. God said, don't eat from the fruit of this tree because if you do, you will... Die. Everything will change. God put this restriction on them to help them, not to hurt them, because you know the story. They ate the fruit. Their eyes were opened. They realized they were naked. They were ashamed. And what did they do? They hid from God. They became separated from God. The relationship changed. And that's what happens because of sin. And that unfaithfulness, that rebellion that the first man and the first woman did has been repeated over and over and over again in every single life that has ever walked on planet earth. When we get to the book of Hosea, Gomer's unfaithfulness is simply a picture of how we've been unfaithful to God. Listen to what it says in Hosea 2. But now bring charges against Israel, your mother, for she is no longer my wife. I am no longer her husband. Tell her to remove the prostitute's makeup from her face and the clothing that exposes her breast. As we walk through this book, we're shown a number of ways that, that this unfaithfulness is acted out in the life of Israel and is acted out in our lives. In chapter 4, He says there is no faithfulness, there is no kindness, there is no knowledge of God in your land. You make vows and you break them. You kill and you steal and you commit adultery. There is violence everywhere. One murder after another. You point your finger at someone else. You try to pass the blame. You have forgotten the laws of God. But all of these sins that are mentioned in the book of Hosea are simply the result of the one sin. Their unfaithfulness. You see what happened is Gomer turned her back on Hosea and what happens is we have turned our back on God each and every one of us. Listen to to what God says. In chapter 2 she doesn't realize it was I who gave her everything she has but she gave all my gifts to Baal. God has given us a picture of how Every good gift and every perfect gift comes from Him and and yet we go through life thinking that by our hands we have earned what we got. By our knowledge we have gained what we have. By someone else's good pleasure we now have what we have. No, every good gift comes from God. God says just like Israel was, was taking the gifts that He gave and Or thanking Baal for them and giving Baal these gifts. We do the same things. Can you imagine men going to the store and buying your wife, or ladies, you going to the store and buying your husband an expensive, extravagant gift only to discover that they take that gift And give it to their lover. How would that make you feel? Would it hurt? You think? God goes on and he he says this. She puts her earrings and jewels on. And she goes out to look for lovers. But she forgets about me. Can you imagine? God's given this picture of of sitting at home with his bride, loving her. And she goes into the bedroom and and gets all made up with her makeup and her jewelry and her beautiful dress. and, And he says, where are you going? And she says, I'm going to look for other lovers. Can you imagine if you were there and someone did that to you? how that would make you feel and yet God says that's what we do God created us for a relationship God created us to love him more than any other thing in the world and yet by the way we live we have loved other lovers more than him for some of us our lover is money for others of us our lover is For some of us, our lover is sex. For some of us, our lover is fame. We have all kinds of lovers. God says, I want to be your exclusive lover. And understand, our unfaithfulness angers God. I mean, wouldn't it anger you? I mean, I got to tell you, My wife was unfaithful to me I really do believe I would forgive her but it would anger me if she was unfaithful multiple times that anger would grow it's normal that's natural God was angry I think we understand that God had a right didn't he I mean God gave himself to us, to love us, to care for us, to live in relationship with us, and yet we rejected his love. He has every right to be angry. But here's what's crazy. In spite of all God's anger, he loves us. I mean, when you read through the minor prophets, it really looks like God is schizophrenic it really does because in in one chapter we will hear God saying I am going to destroy you I'm going to wipe you off the planet you're not my people I no longer love you and then out of the very next breath God says oh I love you you're mine come back I don't care what you've done. I don't care who you've done it with. Just come back. Feel my love. That's crazy love. That takes us to the third truth. You see, God continues to pursue a relationship with us in spite of our unfaithfulness. Listen to what it says in Hosea 3. Then the Lord said to me, Go and love your wife again even though she commits adultery with another lover this will illustrate that the lord still loves israel even though the people have turned to other gods and love to worship them so i bought her back for 15 pieces of silver five bushels of barley and a measure of wine and don't miss what god says God says, go love your wife even though she commits adultery. It doesn't say, go love your wife even though she has committed adultery. No, she is living in adultery. She is acting like a whore. She is sleeping with other men, but I want you to go and I want you to love your wife. Now, that's crazy love. It's a love that pursues. It's a love that chases after us. It's a love that searches for us even in the midst of our unfaithfulness. And that's how God loves us. God doesn't love us when we are faithful. God doesn't love us because we are faithful. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 2 that even if we are unfaithful, God remains faithful because He cannot deny who He is. In other words, God's saying, kick me, spit on me, turn your back on me, sleep with other lovers. I'm going to be faithful to you because that's who I am. And I cannot change who I am. You see, our God is faithful in His love to us even when we are chasing after other gods. That's why Paul could say in Romans 8, nothing, absolutely nothing can separate us from the love of God. You see, God's love trumps everything. God's love even trumps our unfaithfulness now notice what happened when Hosea found Gomer he had to redeem her he had to pay a price to get her back now you may wonder why how they were married but she broke the vow she sold herself to another master and now she belonged to someone else and for Hosea to get her back He had to redeem her. He had to pay a price to bring her home. And that's what the cross displays. The cross is a display of God's ultimate love for us. And that while we were still sinners, whores, following other gods, Christ died for us. You see, at the cross, we see God's absolute justice on display as Jesus was crucified for the sins of all people. God's justice on display. But at the cross, we also see God's love on display because Jesus was crucified so that you and I could experience his love. God's absolute justice. Met God's indescribable love on the cross. And listen. Love won out. God's love is a pursuing love. A passionate love. And he'll never stop loving you. That takes us to the fourth truth. God desires intimacy in our relationship. Not service. Listen to what it says in Hosea 6. Oh, that we may know the Lord. Let us press on to know him. He will respond to us as surely as the arrival of the dawn or the coming of rains in early spring. I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want your burnt offerings. Now listen to those words. Oh, that we might know the Lord. Press on to know him. I want you to to love me. I want you to know me. Those words aren't describing intellectual knowledge. I've read the book and I believe what it says. It's describing intimate knowledge. God said, I want you to know me like a man knows a woman. I want you to know me intimately, personally. I want you to experience oneness with me. That's what God wants. God didn't create you to be his servant. God created you to be His lover. And He wants you to know His love. And here's what I've come to believe. Our churches are filled with people that believe it's all about serving God. Serving God, serving God, serving God. And and so we go to church, check. We read our Bible, check. Say some prayers, check. Throw some money in the plate, check. We help out in a ministry, check. And and God is saying, I want more than your burnt offerings. I don't want your sacrifices. I want your love. And the reason is, listen, service will flow out of love. And yet what we do is we serve and just go through the motions. Listen, I don't need my wife to wash my clothes. I don't need her to cook me food. I don't need her to clean our house. I don't need her to do any of those things. All I need from her is to love me passionately. That's all I need. I don't need the other things. I just just want the love. And that's what God is saying. God's saying, I created you to love me. And I created you so that I could pour my love on you. Don't miss that. Because I'm afraid all too many of us are. That takes us to the fifth truth. We must repent for the relationship to be restored. Listen to what it says in Hosea 14. Return, O Israel, to the Lord your God, for your sins have brought you down. Bring your confessions and return to the Lord. Say to him, forgive all our sins. Graciously receive us so that we may offer you our praises. Assyria can't save us. Nor can our war horses. Never again will we say to the idols we have made you are our gods no and and you alone do the orphan find mercy the lord says then i will heal you of your faithlessness my love will know no bounds for my anger will be gone forever you see god is the one who redeems we see that in chapter four But for you and I to enjoy that redemption, for you and I to experience it the way He intends, we must repent. We must confess our unfaithfulness and return to the Lord. He can redeem us, but He will not force us to love Him. That's our choice. So where are you? I'm here to tell you that everyone in this room today have been redeemed. You've been redeemed. The only question is, are you living in light of the redemption? It's your choice. May the 26th was a tough day. No one should go through a day like that. Cher and I were literally getting ready to drive out of our driveway when I sent my daughter downstairs to give my son a pair of shoes for him to wear to the wedding. She didn't see him. She said, I don't know where Josh is. I looked down in our driveway and his car was there. I went and looked in the car. He wasn't there. And then my daughter screamed. She found him sitting in his bean bag. He passed into eternity. And as I stood there over him, the one thought that raced through my mind over and over is, where are you? Where are you? The coroner left and all of the stuff took place there, and I was in his room all by myself. I I asked God, I said, God, just tell me. Where is Josh? And then I said, No, God, don't tell me. I'm trusting you. God spoke to my wife, gave her a word. God spoke to my daughter, gave her a word. God spoke to my brother, gave him a word. God just gave me peace. Really a peace that passes understanding. It seems like that as I was standing there God continued to display these images before me. I remembered my son as a 5-year-old telling me on the Saturday night he wanted to preach. And I let him preach. I remember as an eight-year-old, him telling me that he wanted to give his life to Jesus. And he prayed that simple prayer and he was so excited to follow Jesus in baptism. I, I remember him telling us that he wanted to be a preacher, but he wanted a real job too. I remember him praying with his little brother leading his brother in the sinner's prayer when his brother said, I want to know Jesus. Now the truth of the matter is, none of y'all knew Josh like that. That was Josh before we moved here to to Lexington. The truth of the matter is, the Josh that, that I've lived with for the last couple of years was Gomer. Not the Gomer that was the prostitute before she married Hosea. Not the gomer after she came back and they lived happily ever after. No, my Josh, she was the gomer who was out there in the world living like a whore. So I struggled. Jesus, did Josh know you? God just continue to give me peace and remind me of the tender heart that Josh had for Jesus when he was younger. And so he's given me hope. He's given me hope that around 4 o'clock on Friday morning, Joshua had a massive stroke and went into eternity. And he looked into the face of Jesus My hope is that he began to cry. He began to weep. And he said, I'm so sorry, Jesus. I'm so sorry. And I can hear Jesus saying, I know. Come here. Come sit in my lap. Let me hug you. Because Josh was so funny. You can hear Jesus saying, Boy, Josh, you're kind of heavy. <laughs> and I can see Jesus telling Josh, Josh, do you remember? He's going through some of the things that I remembered and things that I don't even know about. And Josh going, yeah, I remember. And I picture Jesus just giving him this bear hug and saying, son, I love you. You're home. You're not struggling anymore. And you're going to be with me. Now, do I know that beyond a shadow of a doubt? No, I don't. I I don't. And yet God's given me peace. And He's given me hope. Because I've got a good, good Father. And I know that He... Loves us. You see, I I don't know Josh's heart. Just like none of you know my heart. I could be standing up here this morning playing a game. I I, I could be going through the motions, getting a paycheck, just taking advantage of all of y'all. You don't know my heart. And let me warn you. If you begin to think that you know somebody's heart, you are in a bad place. And you better stop it. Because God's the only one. The Bible says, who knows the heart of man? Nobody does. I don't know Josh's heart. You don't know my heart. But I'm trusting his heart to God. And and so my question for you this morning is, what about you? Truth be told, there are some of you in this room who are like Gomer before Hosea married her. You've never entered into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. You've never done it. You're living as a prostitute out in the world, chasing after other gods, the God of pleasure, the God of fun, the God of a good time, the God of what? Ever. Ever. And God is saying to you today, I love you and I want to enter into a relationship with you. And you have to choose, am I going to do it? And if that's you and and you're here and you've never entered into that relationship, I want to give you an opportunity to do that today. But then there are others of you who were like Gomer when she left Hosea. And she went back out into the world, chased after other lovers. You've had a relationship with him. You know it. It changed your life. You, You loved him. And yet something happened. Maybe the cares of the world, maybe the pleasures of the world, I don't know. But something happened in your life. And you walked away. Right now you are far from God. And he's saying to you right where you're at. I'm searching for you. I'm longing to bring you home. Please come home with me. And that's what some of you need to do. You need to confess that you've gone back out into the world. And, and experienced the love that only God can give. And so... Whether you need to accept him for the very first time and enter into that relationship or, or whether you need to come back home to him this morning, I want you to do that. Because the fact of the matter is, just like at 4 o'clock on Friday morning a week ago, my son never expected to enter into eternity. My son expected to go and celebrate his brother's wedding There are some of you who are going to walk through this door and you may never walk back in again. And if you're not ready today, you're in a dangerous place. So don't do that. So would you bow your head with me? Would you close your eyes with me? Your head bowed with your eyes closed. If you're here and. You need to enter into that relationship with God for the very first time. You know who you are. You you know whether he's changed your life or not. So if you're here and you need to enter into that relationship with him and you're ready to do that, let me encourage you to pray this prayer to him with a sincere heart because he knows your heart right now. Pray this prayer. Dear God, Oh, forgive me. I've been living life my way. I've been chasing after the things of this world instead of loving you. Tired of living that way. I know that you love me, God. You gave your Son so that I could be redeemed from the slavery of sin. You gave your Son to prove your love. Today, I'm accepting your love. I'm giving my life to you. Come into my life. Come into my heart. Fill me with your spirit. Change me on the inside. I want to love you. And experience your love. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Head still bowed, eyes still closed. If you're here and you're in that second category, you know him, but you've wandered away from him. And you're ready to come back home to him. Then I encourage you to pray this prayer. Oh, Jesus. I'm so sorry. I've wandered so far from you. I know I've broken your heart. Please forgive me. I want to come back home I want to fall into your arms I want to love you I want to live with you I want to experience what it is like to to every day wake up with you I'm turning from my life of prostitution turning from all my sins coming to you thank you for receiving me with open arms amen